Welcome to Small Business Sisters, where two sisters who started their own separate businesses come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week, they will share practical business tips that they have learned along their journey and share their individual perspectives. So grab a drink and join the sisterhood as we discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. Hi, everybody. I'm Jenny. You're so awkward. Why are you so awkward? Okay. (laughs) Welcome to Small Business Sisters. Actually, I'm going to open with a story that just happened today because we love when we hear from you all, like whether that's on Instagram or in person. It's just so fun because we love sharing our journey with you and it's really just like Christine and I sharing it with each other and letting you listen in and it's fun Mm -hmm. when you're like, oh, I listen, like to know that there are actual people listening. But anyway, I was at my shop today at Light and Pine. And I, so random fact about me is my favorite food is nachos, like the the pile high kind, not like nacho cheese nachos, but nachos. I'm like obsessed with them. And there's this place, shout out Riverside in Batavia, where they have the best nachos. And so I like to get those for lunch like all the time. (laughs) And so I was eating my nachos and these could probably be, they're an appetizer. So they could be shared with multiple people, but I eat the whole thing and I was eating my nachos and I hear Susie interacting with a customer and she's like, oh yeah, that is Jenny. So I came out and like finished, I was like, oh, let me just finish my nachos really quick. And I came out and she's like, I recognized your voice from your podcast. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And so shout out Painted Pug, um, her business. She said she sells mugs and totes and other fun things. So I'll try to tag her when we post about this because that was really fun to meet her. Um, yeah, that's she's, cool. She's in a local artisan, but we didn't know each other. And she listened to the podcast and she knew that's my funny voice. That, <laughs> she, that's funny that she recognized your voice because I have friends that listen and they're like, we cannot tell which one of y'all is talking. Like, we'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's Christina. And then Jen, you say something that about where you live or something. They're like, oh, wait, no, that was Jenny. <laughs> So it's funny that she recognized your voice. Well, I guess she would know I'm not in Illinois. So well, right. But it's like, funny oh, it's to Jenny. me too because especially the three of us sisters, like I do feel like we have different voices. We always joke about mine's like the high-pitched little girl voice, but <laughs> but you must have that too. <laughs> I guess so. But with, it, with the three of us, I feel like we do sound different. But I get it. Yeah. I get when people are listening it, Sounds the same. I do too. And the because I moved to Texas when I was like 15, 14, I always assumed my Midwest accent would go away, but it really hasn't. I mean, it's no. definitely not as thick, but because I talk to you and Ellie every day, I feel like it's just there. When do Tyler you have and I like first a- started. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you when Tyler. Like- when Tyler and I first started dating, we he was born and raised Texas, and we would go out to dinner, and he'd practice words with me to say them less, like how we how like when you said nachos, you said nachos, yeah, like 
He'd be like, now say nachos. <laughs> you do have a more definitely like more southern voice out of and yeah, even it's the like, words you use are different. So that helps. Yeah. Like it is fixing. it does make me yeah, it makes me laugh though when my boys say like all y'all and stuff like that because <laughs> it's just weird hearing little kids say twang. Ugh, I love it. All so right, today well, after that awkward opening that Jenny gave us. That was my favorite opening. I <laughs> we are talking about failures today. And um yeah, we don't have a script or anything. We're just gonna kinda like in the moment share about our experiences with failure but I also just want to open it up with I think we collectively as a society can like make failure this extreme bad negative thing but I think we can reframe how we think about failure and that it's not even failure really it's just helping redirect you to the next step like maybe one path wasn't working so you just like Mm -hmm. shift your path a little bit instead of looking at like you are a failure um Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's helpful and I'm speaking to myself because that is uh one of my things I worked on in counseling when I was really young fifth grade was I had um I don't remember why but something that year, like I had a really hard time with thinking I wasn't good enough in school, which I don't, I don't really know where that came from. Our parents never like really pressured us to be great. I don't know if it was like a firstborn thing, but I felt really like if I didn't get the best score or like the best comments from the teachers, I would just cry at night, like cry all the time. And um, I had, I remember my counselor at that time was working with me on the word competent, like instead of thinking I had to be the best, like what if I'm competent? I don't know how I feel about that now as a the word competent, but just uh, helping, like there's, there's a goodness to pushing yourself to give your best, but there's also a shadow side to that too and that you can get burnt out and like, I mean, what is this measure of success? It could be look like different. For everybody. So, yeah, I think just immediately reframing how you think about failure will be helpful in going into this episode because we're really going to talk about things we've learned and how we've shifted. And in the end, I wouldn't consider any of that failure then because it helped us to grow and evolve. Yeah, it's almost like a, a redirect. Like, yeah, you haven't you haven't found your groove yet. So let's and I think a lot of that is going to change generationally. I know people hate when we paintbrush wide. What is it called? The wide paintbrush? Um, broad paintbrush. <laughs> what is it? Is it broad? When you yeah, paint, I don't know broad, what you're trying to say. All right. Well, when, like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yes. mean. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean everyone generationally is this way. I, it's just a trend that people are seeing is that when we were younger, there was a big push to go to college. It just, it was what you did after school. Um, I was actually watching old episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and I loved that show. It still gives me like <laughs> nostalgia. Um, but even in that, they have, and so- we could go on a whole like rant about this, but um, a lot of times you're spoken to through medias like a TV show. And so they had an episode where um, 
Sabrina, she was like really worried about Harvey's work ethic in high school and like did this daydream (laughs) where she saw him like lazy on the couch watching TV. She comes in and is a doctor and all this stuff because he said he wanted to go be a mechanic. And I was thinking about that and I was like, see, like in our minds, they were trying to push, like, see the right thing is to to go to school, go to college, which is great for some people and some uh, uh, some professions need that. But also I see a, a trend now where there's very much like take a year off, find what you love, go to trade school, go to college, like all this stuff. And um, I just think that there is a di- there has been a difference over the last 15 years of how we communicate, like, quote unquote, what should happen after school. Because I think that my story doesn't start, but my fa- one of my main failures is that I failed out of college, the, co- the, the school of education that I was in. And Later on, of course, find out I have an ADHD diagnosis, which all makes sense. But I feel like for I'm not the only one that has failed out of college. I know that for an absolute fact. Um, And I think that that's kind of everyone's first kind of failure spot is like failing out of school of some sort of just like not meeting the grades you need to meet. Um, And that might start in high school for some people, but. I know that that's where my, like the first, if you ask me what is, when you think of failure in your mind, where does your mind go to? Mine definitely goes to that period of time. But the, tr- like the fact is I failed out of school, but like you're saying, like, you can't say like, no, no, you didn't fail out. No, you, I did. But I, I also took that as a very big redirect to what I did next. It was kind of, uh, you you face it, you say, yeah, this happened, now what? What's the next right step? And I think even in our business failures that we'll talk about, that's kind of what it is, is like, yeah, no, data-wise, like number-wise, this failed, or time-wise, or whatever it sucked out of you, it failed, but what's the next step? Like, what what's the next step I can take? So I look at it more as like just a redirection or like just try, try, try till you find your groove. Tyler and I were just talking about this the other day that Elon Musk had so many businesses and a lot of them failed. And um, now he has Tesla and that's what everybody knows about. And it's like, oh, it's so successful. But even he like crashed and burned several times and we just don't either don't hear about it or don't realize that about people. Yeah, to circle back to what you said about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, it is just so true of a, it shows how our system is really set up. It, it's an, mm-hmm. it puts our kids in a box, I, I think, and it touches on mm-hmm. what we talked about with Renee, too, of mm-hmm. like the whole education system, it, even how we've now discovered there's so many different learning styles and reaching all these kids that learn differently and have multiple intelligences that maybe it's not just the one um, like academic intelligence, but it shows up in so many other ways like musical, Mm -hmm. creativity, uh, athletics, uh, anything like that. I think um, we put a lot of pressure on our kids that there's this one path that you do through life. Mm -hmm. You go to school, then you get married, then you have 2.4 children or whatever. Oh, yeah. and boy and girl child, not just one gender. But um, <laughs> I think like just 
as society, when we set up all these boxes and rules, it just it it sets people up to feel like they failed because mm-hmm. you're not doing it this one way. And I will say, like, as a parent of a senior in high school, we still have a long way to go as society because I already feel all this pressure of, like, Trevor has to go to this, like, top 10 school or, you know, his life is doomed. And I feel like what if – well, first of all, he's 17. He's going to be 17 when he graduates. How, are, how do you expect a 17-year-old – Mm-hmm. maybe some know what they want to do for the rest of their lives maybe why mm-hmm. do we put all this pressure on them and then all this enormous debt and mm-hmm. yeah so I know that went off on a tangent but I think yeah. we already like even as young people put them on this path that then they can feel like failures if they don't do it that way yeah and it um what was I gonna say Oh, I forgot. But I think I was going to say something along the lines that social media doesn't help in the fact that like people are watching your every move. So mm-hmm. um, I happened to be on social media when I failed out of school. And it's not like you make an announcement like, hey, guys, <laughs> failed out of school. But like, I'm sure people saw I wasn't, you know, at that college anymore and all that. And at the time, you know, I think the other thing is like sitting in that failure and think again like naming it like yes this happened now what's next instead of trying to I catch myself with my boys not um trying to not let them feel negative things right like it's just a natural thing as a parent to want to protect your kids and that includes like negative emotion um because you can see big picture they mm-hmm. can't and so this actually happened recently Caden's um baseball team they were number one the whole season, got to a tournament, and got knocked out the very first game. They just had an awful game, but none of them were expecting that because they hadn't lost a game yet. But also, they now had to – it was a – you were immediately out. So that was their last game playing with all of their friends, and they just weren't prepared for it. And he was – Caden is one of my really emotional kids, just feels all his feelings very deeply, and I love it so much. But – I caught myself being like, but you had a great season. Think of, and in my head, I'm like, no, Christina, stop. Like, he's sad and he needs to feel that and like be okay in that side, which I know Jenny's over there like, yes, feel the sad, (laughs) feel the sad. Um, But that in that failure too of like allowing yourself to sit there and be like, yeah, this really sucks. Probably cry about it. And I would think of like how much, I still think of how much time I spent at college that now I, I don't have a degree from. Um, sure, there were great things that came from that, including meeting my husband. But it, I same like you also can think like, man, what could I have done? Because I ended up changing to dental assisting, which, if you know me, like such a passion for me. I'm so glad that that's the route it took me. Um, and I that I actually really excelled in, but. I think about I could that's something you can go to dental assistant school straight out of high school. And I'm like, that's three more years I could have been making money, like all of that stuff you think about. But I also if I could go back and tell Christina at that time period anything, it would be like, hey, sit in that sadness. It's okay to be there. And then once once you accept it, it's almost like the stage of grief, right? Like once you accept it, now figure out like, okay, well, where is it going to take you next? Yes. I I know I shared this with you recently when we were both – we like 
paralleled each other, I feel like, on down days of our businesses a couple months ago, mm-hmm. where like one day you were like, I'm going to quit everything. And then mm-hmm. another day I was, and I, I know I say, let me preface this by saying, because even circling back to like the thing about our kids failing, I say I know these things and like to let them feel the failure and sadness, because I know it serves a pertinent purpose, but I'm still not good at it because I find myself too with my kids trying to like, like my middle son, Elliot, also is in love with baseball and was having a hard week. And I was trying to like, I look at it as like encouraging him and building up. But then I also realize how that can be a detriment. And like, maybe he needs me to just be like, I know that really sucks. I'm sorry, Elliot. And just like sit in that sadness and tension with him. And I think that's what's so hard for us across the board it's just to sit in the the tension because it feels uncomfortable and who wants to be uncomfortable but there is like I feel like we need to make a shirt that says sit in your sadness (laughs) sit in your sad and okay so yes I know I'm jumping all over the place but there is something that happens in you when and I think Christina you were right on it's like the stages of grief that you there has to be a time where you like get really angry about it where you're really sad. I mean, you have to like, I don't know all the stages of grief off the top of my head, but I know it's like six stages or something, right? So you have to let yourself go through each of those. If you skip over or if you're just too positive all the time, like it's okay, we're going to keep going. Like I think you miss a really important part of the healing process and mm-hmm. the creative process of uh, uh, getting to the next step. So I think when Christine and I have both experienced, I experienced this a lot. I would say mine's almost monthly where I know there are going to be times where I just feel like I can't do this. I don't know what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Everyone's doing it better than me. Social media is a big part of that where I can feel like I can get too out of my lane by watching everybody else that then my lane feels like it's burning up. <laughs> so yeah. I I think it's important to those days where I'm feeling that, I often in the morning, in my morning time in my planner, right? Like, okay, today's, I'm feeling just blah today. So then the acceptance part of that, I think helps me of like, okay, so then when I am feeling down about everything in my business, I can just be like, well, remember today I'm feeling blessed. So today I'm going to let myself feel like everything is falling apart because I know the patterns always show I come out of it. And I do. Mm-hmm. And then I know that like sometimes it comes back again. But I think to let ourselves feel those moments of like everything's terrible <laughs> then right. helps us to get out of that feeling a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. It's like like bouncing back a little bit quicker when you let yourself go pretty low. Yeah, and as far as imposter syndrome goes, making you feel like a failure, like I've been telling myself this the last like six months is you never know really truly how someone else's business is going. It might appear a certain way. You don't know how much they're putting into inventory. You don't know how much time they're putting in because we all know time is worth money. You don't know any of that. And so I think that there can be a lot of like, well, I'm failing because they're doing so great. But you truly don't know. You truly, truly don't know. And um, I think that that is a lot of times we're actually 
there are definitely times that data is like, okay, time to realign, readjust. But there are times where it's just a feeling. It's mm-hmm. just a feeling of failure and it's it's not actually true. And I think that's important why like you and Miranda always talk about tracking your numbers just because, and I guess it just depends on how you define what failure is for your business. Is it financial? Is it time? Is it personal life? Like whatever it is that determines if you're failing or not, like that's what you have to somehow get data on. I mean, maybe your business is doing really well financially, but you as a person are just in such a slump. You might, you know, be going through depression or whatever, you know, your spouse might say, it's time to stop, you know, or Mm -hmm. like, or your best friend, like, hey, it's time to say like, right now, this isn't working Um, and realign and readjust. So it just depends on like what measure you're measuring, I guess, to see what's failing and what's not. Yeah. And it's good. This is why it's so good to have a close-knit circle of other small business owners. Like, yes, friends and mentors, but also fellow small business owners, I think is so helpful because they're already going to come from the small business perspective. Because I know my family members love me and support me, but they're not going to totally get like the nitty gritty of you know, something's working or something's not because they just want right. me to do well. So I I think surrounding yourself with some good people that you trust um, that can give you honest feedback of like, oh, no, this is totally a season um, and you'll be okay. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. right now in Illinois, I mean, I think it's everywhere, but in mm-hmm. Illinois, like retail's having a hard year. It's people when you pay a hundred dollars to fill up your gas tank, like you're really not right. gonna go buy some tea towels and candles. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. Just so like retail, but then talking to other shops in our town and just knowing like, oh yeah, hey, we feel it too. Then you just there's like a solidarity piece that you feel like, okay, it helps you push through a little bit more or to find the issue if everyone else was still doing really well, then I know like, okay, I need to look at something I'm doing then Mm -hmm. to get more people in here. So I think it's Mm -hmm. good when you're feeling something, uh, what just not working quite right to reach out to people that can really give you honest feedback that come from a common denominator of small business. Yeah. So I talked a little bit about my school failure, which by the way, in counseling now, realizing that a lot of things stem from that feeling of failure. So I protect myself a lot to not feel like I did then again. And so even when it comes to my business, my counselor is like figuring out, you know, different things to say, like, are, is this, are you feeling this way because of that? I don't really want to go into my personal counseling yeah. <laughs> sessions, but but it is interesting that like I haven't fully worked through that, and so it's now stemming into other things. Um, so let's talk about business specific business failures. Sure, Do you I want to go first or me. Sure, and again, I want to go touch back on like it's weird for me to use the word failure for these, just because like stopping them and rerouting has helped me get to where I am in my business, like having a brick and mortar. So I don't know. I don't love to say they were failures. They just didn't like, well, they, they again, like fact, factually, like data wise, they were failures, but it just caused you to redirect, which is where you are now. Yes. Yeah. So, um, 
So I started my business, we'll call those productive failures. Productive failures. <laughs> so I I started my business making decor pieces, like re, mostly repurposed decor. So just like one example would be I used upcycled glass bottles, or I would upcycle them, I guess, and like create decor labels for them and do full greenery in them and sell them as like vignettes I called them just random stuff like that what other decor did I can't even remember I had like like I would take branch it I'm asking you Christina oh um, I did like branch like some I remember painting branches once you did and putting them in my house you did like a nest with it because it was Easter. Oh, yeah. And I like – I did like little book pages on the eggs. So like things like that. Like I really f- found creative joy in repurposing like discarded items, I guess. And one day I was like, oh, I'm going to try to like make my own candle to go in this vignette. I think it was like with a couple of vases or something. <laughs> and the candle – People would be like, wait, can you make me a candle too? And then so like these candles, everybody just wanted candles. And I'm sure other small business owners know I couldn't just do like the process of making the candles. I didn't have time to make the decor too. So it felt like in a way like, oh, I'm not a create, I'm not an artist because no one wants my decor pieces anymore. They want the candles. And that felt that felt weird to Personal. me. Because I prided myself so much on creating this decor, but now no one wanted the decor. They wanted the candles, which I love making candles, and I know there is an artistry that goes into it, but it felt to me like anybody can make this candle. Nobody wants my (laughs) decor that I'm making. So I had to just reframe around that and truly like follow – what my customer target customer was saying they wanted and what could be a sustainable business. And I let go of a lot of the decor mostly because I just don't, that is just a whole different process of making that I can't do it all. So that felt like a little bit of a failure because that's not illuminate space did not start out to make candles. (laughs) Yeah. It's so crazy. And I just can't imagine illuminate space what it would be well I mean how awesome like I get chills when I think about like I named it illuminate space because I was thinking like I looked up the word beauty and like shining beauty on things because that's what was with my the discarded items like making them beautiful again and illuminate was one of the synonyms but like how perfect is illuminate for I light, I like it, that. I get chill. I was like, "See, that was meant to be," because yes. illuminate works. But yeah, that that definitely felt like a failure in my business <laughs> because those I we Susie and I joke about. We have a few things at the shop that like are OG pieces <laughs> from our businesses that like never sell. I think hers that she had like a red uh, barnwood heart that. <laughs> Never. I think it was like one of our first pieces. I think it eventually sold though. But my, I have this wreath with butterflies on it that is still at the store. <laughs> I mean, it's seven years ago, but I like refused to not try to sell it. I love that. 
I have more um, failures if you want me to keep going, or do you have one? Well, I have one specific, like, event failure. Um, when I – it was right before – it was before we opened our brick and mortar. And we – I mean, that wasn't even in the works yet. And it was Black Friday. <laughs> no, was it Black Friday or Small Business Saturday? Probably I think Small it, Business Saturday. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Is it the, yeah, is it the and, Illinois one? <laughs> no. Oh. But that was probably <laughs> – well, okay, so there's another one. <laughs> I thought so, you were talking about that. No, I'll share both of them back to back now. So the first one was I was like, oh, well, I don't have a shop in town, but I would love for people to shop small. And so I have a front office in my front and had it like set up kind of like a shop, had my shirt hanging up and like promoted a sale or whatever. And uh, I should have known like – People buy online a lot for that, but in per like I had zero people show up, and so I had my I like I cleaned my house, I got my office ready, <laughs> I made the boys be upstairs. Tyler was doing his own thing, and like literally, so I just sat in my office all day, and not one person came. And I get it, kind of weird, <laughs> like coming to somebody's house, but I had done all those other in person events with all the other makers, and those all always did well, and so it. I just remember being like, this sucks. Nobody wants to come. Like, and it was an awful feeling. Um, but yeah, but it's one of those things where I was like, okay, sit in that for a second and be sad that I did yeah. all this prep for nothing. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the other story is <laughs> now I quickly have realized there's, there's, I don't mind doing, I don't do pop-ups anymore because I have a brick and mortar, but before you know, there is something about doing markets to get your name out there and just for people to meet you. But also when they're at my boys' school, you know, the money goes back to the school. So it's fine. Well, I have quickly, I quickly realized like that's really not my market. Like my market is not uh, at the craft fairs or whatever. And so Jenny's, usually though, I'll at least make back like whatever I <laughs> But I so one year I was going to Illinois just, I think, just to be with you and Ellie, and it happened to be my nephew's school's craft fair. So we were, Jenny and I were like, it was Illuminate Space was brand new, Beautiful Chaos was like semi-new. And so we were like, let's do this together. And I like bought a suit, like paid for my suitcase to go so that I don't know I could why this all- is me. We left so hard. Geez. It- <laughs> geez. So um, I packed a suitcase with like tons of shirts and ear warmers and all this stuff and go do this craft fair with Jen. And like it was Christmas time. So anyways, Jen went at the end. I made a whopping zero dollars. Like I've never done a craft fair and not made anything, Um, which the reason why they're not great for me is because sizing is so important and so people like it's more like like I think if I took my machine and made them on the spot it would be way better but whenever I like pre-make them and take them it just doesn't go over well and so um I remember at the end because our third sister had gone with us and we were like hey we'll <laughs> pay you to help us I think this is the part that makes me laugh so hard. Yeah, I was like we'll just pay you a percentage to help us or whatever and so like Jenny <laughs> At the end is like saying her astronomical number, and then I'm like, "Well, 
I'll pay you 10, 10% of what I make. <laughs> Which is zero dollars. You're welcome, Ellie. I know. That but was yeah, like that, the best. We still use that joke with each other. With well, Ellie. And it was the worst because I still, I had to bring those home. I know. And because like, I remember we prepped so much for that yeah. fair. So I, <sighs> yeah, that was really bad. I have, that's what, yeah. to your house thing though, I've totally had those experiences too because I, was like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to have monthly open houses because I did notice, like, people want to smell candles. So, mm-hmm. like, they can come smell them. They can order – or not order. They can buy them there. I'll have, like, snacks and stuff. And they were just, like – my first one was pretty well attended. And then from there, they just went like down and down and down. And I would get like so stressed out about each open house. It was just like mm. a night. I would get so stressed out because like, why am I inviting people into my house? I'm so antisocial. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would be like so worked up. And it did, It got like, it was, bless their hearts. It was like the same five people that came every yes. month. And I just remember being like, in my meetings with Miranda, this doesn't give me joy. People aren't, I'm not getting new customers. It's so much work. Yeah. And she's like, well, just stop doing them. And sometimes you just need people to give you like yeah. the, the okay. Cause I don't know why I kept making myself do them. She's like, stop doing them. Yeah. And For I sure. felt so much better. And that wouldn't, I wouldn't, that made way for Light and Pine Collective because I wouldn't wouldn't make sense for me to do open houses and to have a shop. So that failure was helpful. Yeah, I I mean I think I could think of so many more things where it's just like okay that's not working. Time to pivot or t- just time to it's something I've added and need to stop. Um, yep. And I think sometimes failure, when you've experienced it, and I know every single person has, it can it can debilitate you in the fact that like it makes you afraid to start something new again in fear of going back to that spot. And gosh, I think everybody can look back at things and say like, "Thank God I tried something else again." Like, um, but I get that because there's a lot of like scary scary things and and especially when it's public when yes when when a failure is public it's even worse yeah or just again back to that comparison thing just because so if someone else is doing really well at something that's great that doesn't mean anything about your failure or win either like there's room for everybody to be successful at their thing like it's okay if you keep retrying all these different things to figure out what works that's just like the beauty of being human is that it's not going to look exactly the same for each person or each business because like Christina's subscription model is fantastic my subscription model was kind of a failure because it was so much work and it was I was only doing like 25 boxes, but it wasn't really just it wasn't working for what yeah. I wanted it to be. So and that's okay. They're just like two different things 
and two different products. So I think I'm looking at my emotion wheel right now. So if you haven't heard me talk about it before, there's something called an emotion wheel and it has our six main emotions we feel, peaceful, sad, mad, scared, joyful, and uh, powerful. But then it takes those and separates them out into more emotion and then separates out those into even more emotion to really like pinpoint exactly how you feel. And I'm looking at the scared part of the wheel right now because I feel like these are the the ways you feel when you uh, experience failure. And it has confused, rejected, helpless, submissive, insecure, anxious, bewildered, discouraged, insignificant, inadequate, embarrassed, and overwhelmed. And so I think when you can pinpoint exactly like you – a failure might make you feel anxious because you're going to start something new, but that doesn't necessarily mean, um, like you are, like you were saying earlier, Jenny, that you're a failure. Like it's just making you feel anxious, right? Or it, it yeah. might make you feel inadequate, but then you have to. Something I learned in therapy is when you can pinpoint an emotion of how you're feeling. Like a failure makes you feel an emotion. And when you can pinpoint exactly how you're feeling, you're able to say, I need blank. And so I'm feeling inadequate. I need to stop doing X, Y, Z, or I need to pivot or whatever. So you can, and it might be, I need to revamp this specific thing and do it again. Maybe it's like for my open house, maybe I should have tried a different day when people weren't out shopping at Target instead of my house. Like, it doesn't mean that particular thing is always going to be a failure. It might just mean a little bit of revamp. Um, but I think that if you can pinpoint exactly how that failure made you feel, it'll help you know like what's the next right step. That's really good. That's what because I think of those words like a specific one I'm thinking of right now is embarrassment. Like really rings true for me and failure. But I think when you speak things out loud or to the people you care about. There's something that takes that embarrassment away because now you have gotten ahead because embarrassment is kind of like shameful, I feel like. And so you're removing that ability for it to be shameful when you are mm -hmm. speaking it out loud. And right. like even us sharing right now on this podcast, mm -hmm. well, then the quote unquote person over here doesn't have anything to make you feel embarrassed about because you've already spoken it out loud. So there is power mm -hmm. in like, telling people how you feel right. and admitting like I feel these things I just need someone right. to like hear and see that and it yeah. helps and if if you are feeling embarrassed because of it, it your I need statement might be I need to stop caring what people think because I've been saying that a lot to one of my friends I'm like well so and so doesn't pay the bills so like it doesn't matter what they think about my business or anything like that like I should be the only one worried about like what's happening to it because it, at the end of the day, I'm the one paying the bills. So if I have to make X this decision for it, well, if they were offering to pay my rent, that'd be great, but they're not. So it doesn't really matter. But I have to say that stuff out loud to me, myself. It doesn't come naturally to be like, right. oh, I don't care what people are saying about it. Right. So Same, same with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend the emotion wheel. You can get the emotion wheel pillow cover. Via Amazon, but um, there's a lot of that. you can you can even Google the emotion wheel, but I find it very very helpful. Well, I would but, love to this conversation. I thought, I mean, it was even therapeutic to me. I know, me too, because there's like scary. The I mean, 
I've been really open and honest on our podcast and on Miranda's about my last year financially. It's it's crazy because everyone's like, follower count, follower count, follower count. But I'm the highest follower count I've ever had. I mean, it's not that many, but you know what I mean. It's the highest it's been, but that doesn't always line up. That's why you can't look at someone's business and be like, oh, they're doing really well because you just have no idea. And Um, Just like you were saying, like, it's just been a slow season and it's taking a lot of pivoting. And I think in the next few months, I'll see some actual like failures that I can on like data wise prove that I'm going to have to now sit in and figure out, okay, then what comes next? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm glad I'm here with you, Jen. Me too, Mm because we never want anyone to do small business life alone. Right. Because we're better together. And if you like are feeling a certain way and don't have a small business friend to talk to, you can we have people reach out to us on Instagram all the time and we can encourage you or even, you know, say like, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry that's happening. So um, we look forward to hearing from you and we hope um, you join in our next episode. Join in the conversation by following us on Instagram at, at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourselves because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together.